This is No Pink Spandex, episode 114, for Thursday, October 28th, 2010. got my usual suspects except for jerry jerry wish he could have been here jerry we love you and this voice that you're hearing all all of a sudden because that's not jerry that's dr jason narvey of course (laughs) 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 we need our canned applause button that's what we need yeah. yeah, you guys don't have a canned applause button? The last yeah, we, time don't have, we, we don't have like a soundboard or anything. The last time we, we had a soundboard, um, <laughs> we lost an episode. And so we're not <laughs> right. again. <laughs> oh, again, technology. What did I say about the technology? It's the freaking technology. Oh, it's true. Your drawings and your, it you was know, our Christmas <laughs> episode. It was like amazing. And it was all gone. It was just. Oh, yeah, it's easy. Yeah, you're saying it was amazing now. It's like before when you're like, what are. <laughs> I can't believe we wasted our time. It's gone. It was the greatest thing ever. It was boring <laughs> of, of Skype. It was amazing. Humanity is worse for having lost that. It really is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely needs our opinion on uh, Alpha's Magical Christmas. <laughs> oh is that, you know, I, I, I vaguely remember it. I mean, it's one of those those ones where I'm sure it was just, just brilliant. I mean, it must have been just like a Charlie Brown Christmas or the original oh, yeah. Christmas Carol. I mean, it must move that many people. It's a classic, but have, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can't be, be nearly as bad as that horrible Star Wars Christmas thing, the, like, Wookiee uh, tree day or something. Do, do you guys know about this? Oh, wow. I never heard, heard of that. that. Yeah. This this is one of those things that, that people say is apocryphal, but I swear, but it is true. Nobody's seen it, but everyone knows about it. They had done, like, after the first Star Wars, before Empire Strikes Back, they tried to do, like, a 30-minute Christmas special that had all the cast members, and it, like, w- was supposed to be about some Wookiee holiday, like... <laughs> And it was supposed to be terrible. And like you watch it, and it was right after um Mark Hamill had gotten into his car wreck. So he was like all kinds of pasted up. And it, oh, right. Hi, yeah. oh yeah. And then they, of course, um, you know, um supposedly Carrie Fisher was all kinds of coked out. What's up, kids? So it's just some <laughs> worst thing. And so Lucas. They actually aired it once, I think, on ABC, and Lucas like went around and like killed people to get every possible copy back and just so good luck finding it but now oh, you know it. something worse than the alpha happy christmas thing. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> oh my goodness yes and i and um i'm dreaming of a white ranger when the rangers go up to uh the north pole and something like they don't they couldn't morph or something so like <laughs> they had a snowball fight. fight with the monsters and i'm like yeah, no, actually, in our episode, it was gold. It was, it was. Oh, wow. No, I didn't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I was, know. If... I was sick in Scotland somewhere else. No, I don't know about that one. <laughs> well, good thing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm saving you. Thank you. Thank you. You, you, what do you think for the team? The spirit of Christmas. The spirit of a Wookiee Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and from the bottom of my heart. Oh, thank you. What did we get here? Oh my goodness. So yes, let us start. Well, 
yeah, well, or continue, but let's start. Um, how was Jason, Dr. Jason Narvi, growing up as a child? What kind of kid were you? Uh, <laughs> I was in trouble. <laughs> I was, I was, I was kind of okay till I got to junior high, and then I decided I wanted to have fun, and it took me all of about six months to get kicked out of junior high. <laughs> <laughs> for various sundry reasons throughout the year. I don't know. I think it's because I was Jewish and they were anti <laughs> Oh. Yeah, that's not what happened. I did some bad things and I got kicked out of school. I was a little bit of a thug. So that's, uh, you know, that's kind of why I got into dramas because that was the only thing I could do. It's the only time my parents would let me leave the house was for rehearsal because they knew I wouldn't end up dead, arrested, or I don't know, <laughs> you know, inebriated somehow. So, that's the kind of kid I was. But a long story short. <laughs> what kind of stuff did you do? Uh, you know, stuff that you do, you know, stupid little stuff. You know, um, you know, fights, stealing cookies from the other kids, um, you know, um, calling your teacher profanity words because they woke you up for sleeping in class. <laughs> okay. It's your time as well as theirs, you know. And then uh, I did another thing I... I, I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> but when they expelled me, they said I had endangered his life. Wow. That didn't really happen. That was horribly, horribly, horribly blown out of proportion. Just a little mischievous stuff, playing with various flammable things that shouldn't be played with. Okay. So you were accessing your inner skull is what it is. You were. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. You know, I was, I was, a, I wasn't a full fledged hoodlum, but I was certainly a juvenile delinquent. Why don't we just put it that way? So yeah, that's that's how I, that that so it was very easy for me to understand skull. <laughs> what I mean, that, the bully who wasn't entirely a thug. I mean, so here's the here's the deal. I had a lot of friends that were like really good at getting away with junk. You know, they they could rob a bank, they could I don't know steal a plane, and then like you know convert it into a low rider and cruise down the boulevard and bust it. <laughs> Okay, I take one damn cookie, I get, you know, suspended from school. So they were like professional criminals. I mean, they were good. Um, but by the time, uh, whereas I got kicked out of junior high, I was allowed back into the school district because ultimately I wasn't a malicious kid. You know, it really wasn't that horrible as in the grand scheme of things. My friends were. <laughs> so they got kicked out of <laughs> okay. and they were sent oh, far, far like to uh, to Siberia. I've got a few friends that are still in Gulag out in Russia. We don't talk about them much. Oh, snap. So, but the, you could say they were the bulks to my skull, theoretically. You know, the professional criminal versus just the guy who likes to see mischief done. So, yeah. like, what was your first, um, your first role when you got into drama? What was the first role that you remember um, doing in school? You know, they were doing, uh, we were doing a read, read through of Sorry, Wrong Number, which was like a old thriller, I think from the 50s. And I did this, I, I was, you know, this little freshman guy and all the really good drama actors really acting their work, you know, their, their lives out. And I just got on like this kind of Don Corleone thing as the, the disembodied voice on the other end of the phone, you know, and it's this kind of, this kind of thing. That was the first thing that I did. Um, then the second, the, but that wasn't a, technically a role because it wasn't like an audience. That was just a drama class. I think the first thing that we actually did with audiences was 
It was either Roger and Hammerstein Carousel. I was the coveted, coveted role of Sailor Number Two. Because <laughs> that was the sexy role. That was the sexy role, you know. Sure, sure, Sailor Number One had I don't know, lines and words to say, but I was more of a presence, I like to think. Uh, <laughs> uh, what else did that? Oh, you know what? No, the very first thing we actually did with with um, the audiences. Oh, geez. We did a um, rendition of Cats. Cats. We just the poems of T.S. Eliot Cats. And I played Growl Tiger the Pirate Cat. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So, next question. (laughs) Okay. But here's Um, the thing. That year, I realized that the ratio of girls to guys in drama is like six to one. Yeah, true. Even an ugly guy like me can get lucky with, you know, odds like that for guys. So, true. you know, like, oh, you're at drama for a while. True. That and dance class. Oh, dance class. Oh, dude, that's like 20 to one. Oh, God, man. <laughs> this is a great story. When I, when I went to um, college, we had a professor whose name is Jose Greco. Okay. Now... Jose Greco was a household name back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And for people who are in the know about flamenco dancing, Jose Greco is the Fred Astaire and Balanchine all rolled into one, okay? So my first week of college, this is a great story. First week of college, they had all the different, uh, you know, uh, theater, dance, and film um, professors get together and throw a big picnic trying to enroll students in their courses, you know, get everyone excited. And everybody would stand up to... Uh, kind of push their class. Hi, my name is so-and-so. I teach such-and-such. And and we have such a great time because we blah 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 and they'll go on and on. And why don't you come and join us? We'll have such a bad time. And it was nice. Okay. (laughs) And that was fine. It was, you know, it was what it was. But when it came time for Jose Greco, the flamenco dancing instructor, all he did was stand up, look around and says, my name is Jose Greco. I will make you a man through flamenco dancing. (laughs) Sat back down, and all the dudes were like, "I'm signing up for that one, dude." <laughs> that's amazing. It is so true. We have a whole bunch of Jose's back here, and I Jose wish. Greco? Well, uh, Jose's, not Greco. Oh, it's Jose. Just Jose. Who act like a Greco? <laughs> but Greco rubber wrestling. Whoa, that's a different thing. <laughs> oh. So, so how did you get the role of Skull? Um, let's see. That one was, here's the deal. I had gone for um, a, a cattle call um, some six months previous to actually getting the role. Maybe it was less than that. And, you know, you do a cattle call and you pretty much, um, you go in front of the camera and you say, hi, my name is such and such. Oh, it's kind of like that, that picnic I was just telling you about. Hi, my name is such and such. My agent is such and such. I'm reading for the role of such and such profile profile. Thank you. There you go. And then they take your, your resume and photo and they put it on file. And I, it was at the time I was reading for a somewhat nerdy character on a show called phantoms. Okay. That of course, phantoms later became mighty Morphin power Rangers and the somewhat nerdy character uh, became Billy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even get called back. Okay, I didn't know they were looking for good-looking, chiseled guys like David, for God's sake. You know? <laughs> like a mutiny. Uh, and they, they're going for David. It's like, hi, how are you? Slick and smooth. So anyway, they put they just put me on file. And that was when they were casting for the actual pilot. Mm. 
okay? The pilot that nobody really saw before the last convention. Um, the pilot that sold the show to Fox. Um, they, they had gone with a guy named Bobby, um, and he was the main bully, okay? Leather jacket, skinny, kind of a taller guy. And Paul Schreier was one of, like, three or four other bullies. And Paulie was like, bully number four with the coveted line of, hey, man. That <laughs> <laughs> actually, when it came time to Luke, wasn't even Paulie's voice. I think it was Tony Oliver. Oh. Um, but so, you know, when they did it, um, Bobby uh, was kind of a menacing dude. I think he had kind of a, like a droopy eye and he was really tough. And that's when they wanted the bullies to be the uh, Earth equivalent of, you know, Reed Repulsa's guys, you know, re a real menace. Um, but once they sold the pilot, they decided they wanted to try to get some kind of comic relief out of the bullies. Paulie became the main bully, bully number one, Bulk. Um, I think Tony Oliver had a lot to do with that. Um, Paulie and, and Tony hit it off. Tony was always an advocate for both Bulk and Skull. Um, Paulie had a theater background. They needed somebody that was good. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately for Bobby, he was no skull. I mean, you couldn't have the the toady sidekick like really menacing. You know, Bulk's like, "Hey, kids, you know, <laughs> get out of my way." And the other guy's, "I will rip out your guts and strangle you with your intestines." You know, so, like, so, so five days. Wait, no, I think three days before they were going to shoot. It was a Wednesday. They were going to shoot the following Monday. They went through and they pulled five photos from all the people that ever had a cattle call they're like uh how about this guy this guy this guy oh this guy's oh, does somebody poop on this photo no this guy's <laughs> name is Harvey. we'll check him out so, <laughs> so they randomly pulled me well they didn't really have sides for me they didn't exactly know what they want and little did i know at the time but um they wanted somebody slightly obnoxious well i was working driving parts for a ford dealership at the time and uh, I got a call in the middle of the day that said, come back. You're going home for the day. Your agency is called and you have an audition. I was not in a pleasant mood that day. I was very greasy, <laughs> grouchy. <laughs> I already had the leather and my hair was, I mean, it was like 30 weight Pennzoil at that point. So I drove down and I'm like, yo, sons of bitches, they're going to turn me down anyway. I'm sick of this Hollywood thing. I'm just, they're going to remember me. They don't like me, but they'll remember me. They'll remember me as the guy that ruined their lives, their day, and their studio. <laughs> That's what they wanted, apparently. <laughs> so I went down there, and I was just obno as obnoxious as I possibly can could be. And they're like, that was the first time I ever had a producer say, if we don't call you, you call me. What? Yep. Jonathan Zakor said that. Listen, uh, we, like, uh, we really like you. Um, if you do not hear from us, you call us tonight. That's how much. So the, the second day I went in and auditioned for Paul Schreier uh, uh, with Paulie. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't it wasn't the the actual audition. I never actually did the audition. Paulie and I just instantly hit it off. And he says, hey, man, how you doing? He says, what do you got? What, what, what are you going? Um, what do you think? And I said, hey, you know, let's let's rehearse it. And, or Paulie said rehearse it. We decided to rehearse it. We thought we'd come up with some cool shtick. And as we were rehearsing the at one point, Paulie turns to me and says, don't look now, but I think I, I think all the suits are watching you. And lo and behold, that soundstage, which was pretty much just Paulie and me and some grips doing work around, was now filled with um, producers, the writers, a couple of the directors watching us work together. And it was that work ethic that we had and the way that we just kept experimenting and coming up with cool stuff. And the energy we had 
that made them say these guys will work for us for us you know as a team so that's a long answer to a short question that's a really cool story yeah. that is a cool story so it's it so when people say you know is 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 getting in hollywood luck or is it skill i'm like well you know you know i think there's an old adage you know opportunity is being prepared when chance turns in your direction that's a horrible paraphrase but it's it's the truth if you're not ready when the opportunity comes you're, you're screwed so you may as well be ready you know? right. but if she would have picked someone you know pick only four headshots out of that stack of photos you know there might have been a different skull and like how were how did you feel when you noticed all the suits just like staring at you just like where did you not did you like not pay attention, just kept going, doing about your business, and you're like, oh, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah. We're, like, we're like the fish in the bowl pretending like the cat's not watching, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we just, we just kept going, you know. Um, and I'm sure it, it, it tweaked it a little bit, and it gave it a little bit of manic energy, which is always good when you're, you know, characters like this. Not if you're Hamlet, you know, you know, to be or not to be. Oh, by the way, Hamlet, the uh, producer from 20th Century Fox is watching. To be or not to be! <laughs> When you guys had to film, like that first day of filming, what was that like? That was odd because actually I was the, the FNG, so to speak, the freaking new guy. That's the PG-13 version. Um, and I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, not a big deal. I have a great uh, repertory, uh, rapport, I'm sorry, with, with, this, uh, with this guy, Paul Schreier. We'll do a great job. Well, my first day on the set was not with Paulie. Um, I was working alone with either AJ or Chewy. I think it was Chewy. And of course, you know, I don't know them at all. And they're both these, you know, beautiful girls. And I have to try to uh, make out with them. I'm sorry. <laughs> Skull tries to, you know, try to be the old kissy kid, you know. Uh, and so that was awkward. Like, Here, kiss this total stranger who has been at this job longer than you. And this is your first day. So I was doing all kinds of stupid stuff. I mean, you know, I this is a rookie move. I didn't realize when the camera is not really facing you, but facing the person next to you, it can't see you. And therefore, you don't have to fall into the giant tub of ice cream that you fall into the script. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I was throwing everything that I had that first day on the set. Man, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. And, you know, I got there like an hour early, too. Because I had to drive, you know, it was it was a thirty minute drive, unless there was traffic, in which it could be two hours. So I Gosh. got up at like four in the morning, and drove there and got there at like four thirty. I got a giant thing of, of like some Thai espresso coffee. So again, I was amped up, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's awkward. It was it was very awkward, you know. What, what did you try to do to calm yourself down, though? Nothing. I just threw it all into the. You just, <laughs> just, just like okay. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Well, no, actually, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Okay, let's talk acting technique. Yeah, there is, you know, you do some breathing. I mean, I, I was okay at the time. I was studying at the Strasburg School. Okay, I was working at, uh, at at the Ford dealership. I cut my hours back to part time so that I could be down at Strasburg. Uh, I think tw two or three times a week. And in those classes, we would spend two hours, every class, two hours doing nothing but relaxation exercises. Two hours. That's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. 
Okay. Now here's what's funny about it. Okay. The first hour of which you spend simply doing what you call like a body check, going through your body and making sure there's no tension anywhere in your body. Check it systematically. Check your neck, check your shoulders, check your arms. Uh, if you find any kind of blockage there or tension, you move it. And then if that doesn't get rid of the tension, you breathe into it and you make a noise as you this very strange, oh, 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 like a walrus kind of breathing. And then you shake it out and you move, okay? You do that for uh, a full hour. And then the second hour, you go into a sense memory exercise, continuing to do the stretching, the relaxing, the breathing, the ah, you gotta stop. But then you have to do a daily activity of drinking some coffee or brushing your hair with your eyes closed. And the whole time you're breathing, <laughs> relaxing, relaxing for two hours. And then you have a 10 minute break. So after relaxing for 10 hours, for, for <laughs> Hours. Everybody runs downstairs as quickly as they can. They drink as much coffee as they can. The three or four cigarettes, they go right back upstairs to do some scene work. It's like, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so I'm like, are you kidding me? But it certainly taught me how after you try to kiss Tui Trang and uh, miss her and go into a giant bowl of ice cream when you shouldn't, and you have to do another take again in 30 seconds, it taught me how to quickly try to center myself, breathe, relax, and put whatever residual angst into the attack on uh, Trini. <laughs> now, did you ever have to help any of your co-stars or any of like the day players to like coach them um, throughout, you know, throughout filming or were you just yeah. like, oh, real? okay, who? Yeah, yeah, I mean, cause you have, <laughs> we would have day players come through all the time, you know? And so when they would come in, we just gave a little pointers here and there, you know, hey, bud, do this, hey, do that. You know, we would try to kind of put them through the routine that Paulie and I put each other through all the time, you know. Um, actual full-on one-on-one coaching. I mean, we didn't know the day players in advance enough that we would have time to say, hey, let's take a Saturday and work together. I mean, you do that on a film <laughs> shoot. <laughs> you don't exactly do that when you're shooting uh, two to three three episodes a week you just don't have time how was the relationship between you and paulie throughout those years ups and downs ins and outs i mean it was great i mean you know we 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 always always you know had a uh really cordial and close relationship i mean we were we were buddies we really were best buds for a while we we had, we even thought we were like hey you know we were at the age you know of course where you know i was a little bit at home when we did it, so we were going to maybe get an apartment together, but then realize we'll probably kill each other if we do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so, but yeah, we were really good buddies. We only, we only got really ticked at each other, uh, you know, a couple times, you know. Like any friends and, would, though. Exactly, exactly, you know, just like any friends would, like any family would, you know, we were close and we, we remained close. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, seriously, if I have a best friend and I haven't fought with them yet, there's a problem. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. You, you got to fight with somebody you respect at least once in your life. You know, you know, you know, if you don't fight with them, you don't respect them. Yeah. And then you don't know how crazy they can get and then come back to normal. There you go. You, you need to test them out. Like, like test uh, their limits. Test their limits. Like you would uh, when you pick up a pound puppy, you know, I'm going to keep smacking this dog to see if it bites me. I'm going to keep smacking <laughs> to see if they bite me. You know, if you're into that kind of thing, God bless you. You know. <laughs> Good for you. I got some people can call too, some numbers. When you know, when we're off the air, I'll give them to you. You know? <laughs> Good bit. Promise. 
But did you test anybody's limits on the on the show where like you were trying to ad lib and it was just a little bit too much ad libbing, and then and they were like, uh, okay, yeah, like Relax. tame it down just a little bit, tame it, just you know, take it down. Well, of course. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> We were always trying to bust each other up, you know. We were always trying to get somebody in trouble somehow. Whether someone's supposed to make an entrance and you hold on to their belt buckle so they can't actually get on screen, and then the they the, they call cut and the AD chews them out. Where were you for your cue? I was trying to. I don't know what happened, you know. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's always fun when you're off camera to try to make somebody bust, you know, <laughs> while they're looking at the camera. You know, what I'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, off camera lines. They need someone to react to. It's their their single shot. So they're looking off camera, and you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Drop your pants and, you know, deliver your lines, you know. So, yes, that happened all the time. I can't give you specifics. But it oh. did all the time. I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> That's the thing. It happens so much. It, it'd be like you asking me, you know, you know. Do you ever remember eating breakfast? And what was for that breakfast? I mean, come on. I eat breakfast every day. So it's the same thing. Cross that question off the list, then. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't eat cereal. <laughs> Drink the blood of innocence. That's what I do. See, oh. you remember an example there. See. <laughs> okay. Um, your cast members. Let's talk about mm-hmm. them for a little bit. Okay, let's talk about them. Who would you say that you were closest to besides Polly? Ooh, that's tough because I was really close with uh, Jason Frank and uh, Johnny Young Bosch. You know, um, I probably have to say Johnny uh, because we lived not that far from each other. So we'd work out together. We'd screw around and do little short films together. Um, we'd come up with film ideas together. You know, so I'd have to say Johnny. We were pretty good buds. And when I went away to college, I, I disappeared from the planet. And John, Johnny was like, no, I mean, what happened to you, man? You just completely ditched me. You know, so he, so he was, he was, uh, yeah. So he, he, he missed me the most, I think, of anyone else. But you know what? I was also really close with Kat, though. Now that I think about it, Catherine Sutherland, once she started on the show, I was really close with her, too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when we did, when Paulie and I did Hamlet the second time, um, <laughs> She played Ophelia. She was a, she's a wonderful actor. She's a wonderful Ophelia. Mm-hmm. And I was playing, uh, I was doing Laertes. So we were really close during that too. And once she was off the show, I'd see her on, on a regular basis too, actually. So there you go. When did you guys we, do Hamlet? Uh, we, did ha- we did Hamlet twice. Um, the first time we did it, I think was during, uh, during the second season, I think. And I directed that one. And Polly played uh, Claudius for me. You know, he was a little young to be playing Claudius, but um, I had a, a slightly younger cast anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and then the second time we did it, Polly directed. The two of us both produced. Um, I directed the fights, and then I played Laertes. Um, that was the second time we did it. We lost our shirts, and that was during. Remember the time when we were monkeys? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so one of the advantages to being a monkey is that is that you can grow your hair long. And since we were doing Hamlet, we just let our hair grow. And, you know, that was ironically – see, here, here's a great story. I think I said this at the, at the first Morphicon. I used to have this statue of a monkey sitting on a stack of books looking at a human skull with his hand on his own chin, kind of contemplating it like 
Hamlet and Alas, Poor York. And I thought that was all so cool. I bought it. It was up on my shelf, on my desk. When when uh, Paulie and I were playing the damn monkeys and during the day and doing Hamlet at night, I looked at that statue. I said, that, that, that crap ain't funny no more. That ain't funny. <laughs> <laughs> Too true to life. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Talking about staring into the mirror. Basically. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Was it? Was it? Um, I think in the beginning of September, you, Johnny, and Jason Frank went to what, was, what convention was it in Vegas? That, that was the Las Vegas uh, anime convention, and okay. that was that was. I mean, it was a last minute thing. It was just you know, Johnny uh, uh, just called me. Uh, we were just texting back and forth, and Johnny's like, "I'm like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm not around. I'm going to the Vegas convention. Hey, why did you come? Jason Frank will be there. We'll have a good time. I'm like." Sounds like trouble to me. So that's how I put it up there. They, they were already booked for it. They were doing a Ranger. Since the both of them were already booked for it, they were doing a Ranger panel. I'm like, oh, what the hell? So I did that. That was that was a lot of fun. It was good seeing those guys. <laughs> <laughs> good God. What were we thinking? <laughs> Holy crap. So, I mean, it's always, oh, yeah, that was my next one. Yeah, like you guys had a good time. You guys, well, you know, not during the convention, you know, a little bit. All right. No, no. During the convention, we you know we wouldn't do that in front of fans. That's that's kind of irresponsible because there's so many young kids, you know. But we did go out and met Jason Frank. We went to a club and <laughs> he was buying Long Island iced teas and we were sucking them down through straws like they were shots. And then suddenly, next thing Johnny and I remember, it was the next day because <laughs> Jason <laughs> Frank's a big guy. <laughs> and Johnny and I are still like tiny. And Jason Frank's like, she's all buff now, you know. So, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. well, yeah. That was that, was that well before um, Power Morphicon. Did no, you guys like see? A... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, did you guys see each other? You and Johnny. Did you guys see each other? Um, or you or Jason? Did you guys see each other before Power Morphicon or no? Like, was that no? I hadn't seen uh, Jason Frank for several years previous to that. I think last time I saw him was. 2002 when we did that the return of the red ranger oh, yeah, forever red. Forever red. yeah that one yeah 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 that was the last time i saw jason frank and then uh johnny uh, i was seeing johnny a lot uh over this summer uh being that i was graduating from ucsb you know uh i hadn't been seeing johnny a lot you know uh because it was like an hour and a half drive and i'm like dude this is ridiculous man we live an hour and a half away we used to live halfway across the country let's see each other so we get a little couple projects here and there i directed a music video for his band oh yes nice. yes uh, I saw it. Yeah. yes it, it's called um uh, our whole lives tonight his band for those who don't know i shine they're very good you know and they're they're johnny's currently mixing their new album oh oh i'm sure johnny would not mind telling the the you know fans well Catherine that. already said Catherine oh, already said on facebook i don't know what is it oh John, he had he had a baby Oh, right. Well, I just, okay. I had a baby. I mean, it would be a little difficult. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he personally had the. Personally. So he, he just sent me a, a picture of, oh, she's cute. She's a cute little kid. So. Oh, that's what we didn't know. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. It, it is a girl. a girl. Her name is Novi, N O V I. Novi, I think Shannon Bosch. Hang on. I'm actually going to look it up. Uh, you, you keep talking amongst yourselves. As I look, <laughs> as you said. <laughs> well, yeah, Catherine was all like, oh, 
I was, we're so happy, you know, my friend Kia, she just had a birthday and da 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 and oh, Johnny had a baby. And we're, and we're like, what? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. What? Uh, that's what it is. Novi Nicole Bosch. Oh, that's pretty. Novi Nicole Bosch. So I'm, we're all very happy for that. Because yeah. I, was, I was thinking in my head, like, what? Is they going to have a baby? Come on. <laughs> Do this yes. already. Yeah, she was, you know, she was pregnant for like three and a half years. She was like the chick on uh, Family Guy. <laughs> what do you mean you were? No, no. But seriously, what do you mean you were waiting? You were waiting when she gonna have? Did you know, know that she was expecting, and you were just unsure that it was going to happen, or you were? Oh, what's going on there? <laughs> no, it's just like I mean, I met. Like, when did I meet you her? Said it. I mean, you're stupid. No, I met her at um at the first Paramorphicon. I'm like, oh, okay. Amy. You know, her name is Amy. She's not just a baby making machine. <laughs> Come on. Just a little respect. Come on. Jeez. Come on. Whatever. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and it was like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Baby, when it came, when it's coming in, baby. Come on. Come on. You could do it. Yep. <laughs> you could do it. So I'm happy for them. <laughs> so so when it so um when Joe is coming, come on, let's go. Baby. Why do I look fat? Do I look do I look like <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but... Uh... Thank you so much. Thank you. Some people have manners. Some. I kid, I kid. Oh, yeah. All right, so... Some of us are just born big, okay? That's bad. You're big bone. Big you. bone. Big... <laughs> Speaking of big bones, yes, no, we don't have any kids at the time, no. no. <laughs> 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 I can't what? What? I'm saying that I, I have a small carriage, therefore I'm incapable. I got narrow hips, so I don't think I could actually have a baby without some serious complications. Although that, what is that? The 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 man the 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 man that was a woman who had the baby with the yes. What? Yes, God. it happened. Because it, it was it was a uh, what was let's see, a female to male. Transsexual, I think, right? Because like but she still had her, you know, she still had the the female organs to have the baby, but she was a man, and then she married. How did she get knocked up? How did she get knocked up? Because she married to a woman. Oh, he. Well, whatever. Uh, wait. Okay. Look, a woman to a woman does not a baby make. <laughs> well, I think she was like okay. artificially inseminated. Okay. So okay. Somebody else donated okay. his. Before or after the plumbing was installed. That's what I mean. Oh, right. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> it was the, the original plumbing wasn't removed. That was the thing. Oh, right. But what do they do? I mean, what do they do? Put like, put like some kind of a trap door on the new plumbing so that you can insert stuff to artificially inseminate? It doesn't make any sense. We need to investigate. No, no. <laughs> I don't know how you far along back. <laughs> the transformation... <laughs> All I know is in the news that man was having a baby. And then, then after having a baby, had a second one. I'm just saying. It happened. Hmm. I so, think dude, dude's cheating on his new, her new husband. <laughs> <laughs> Someday she's going to figure it out. <laughs> it's, it's the future. Oh, crap. Oh, I forgot what we were talking. Okay, no. We were talking about cast members. All right. Here we go. Yes. Bring it back. Okay. 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 I asked you who you were closest besides. All right. So you answered that. Mm -hmm. Who 
well, for lack of a better term, was the craziest? Who was the one that was, you know, out there? Like, un- you know what? Um, what's the better word for it? Uh, Eccentric. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> uh, vicious? I don't know. Uh... <laughs> Spontaneous. Oh. I will say that. There we go. Spontaneous. Dude, I'd have to say a Jason David Frank. I mean, yeah, that 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 man. I mean, he. That's the thing. He he plays a straight character. You know, he's 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 very you know heroic on the show. Man, we got to save the day. But he really like pranks. He had a great sense of humor, and he was really freaking funny. You know, so uh, yeah, Jason David Frank. He kept it real when Paulie and I weren't around. He, you know, he held down for, you know, kept everybody honest, so to speak. Oh, really? How? How, how do you, how do you, you know, any examples come to mind? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, really any examples. <laughs> I think I've almost incriminated myself several times in this conversation already. <laughs> right? I feel like ID is because I'm like in my den. I'm like, oh, you know, just, I'm just talking to a computer like you do. Of course. Normal. I guard down. (laughs) Okay. So who would you say um, would be the most loyal? Loyal. Loyal how? Like no matter what happened, no matter if like they heard like the weirdest tale about you, like someone's lying about you, trying to smear your name, they always have your back. Right. Well, I mean, no two ways about it. I mean, but it'd be the same people, you know. It'd be the same people. Uh, it, same people would be Paul Schreier, obviously, first and foremost. You know, uh, Johnny Bosch is probably the the most unjudgmental guy that I know. You know, just bar none, just mm-hmm. any way around it. You know, um, to anybody, you know, whether you're a close friend or not, he's he's pretty good at reserving judgment. He doesn't do that. You know, he just a good guy you know considers himself to be a man of faith and he is the best example of a man of faith you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. he's true like that um uh jason david frank when you're his friend you're his friend i don't give a damn you know so he's got your back you know and Catherine's just so sweet i mean oh, everyone though right i mean you know karen is a sweetheart you know she's a, if you're a friend you're a friend you know not to he's about nikia is the same way Steve Cardenas, I got to say, too, he's one guy I haven't mentioned because actually when we were in Australia, I spent a lot of time with Steve, you know, because Steve liked to party. And we had some really good <laughs> times. And Steve and, I were both, <laughs> and Steve and I were both single at the time. <laughs> so, we, yes, we had some real – I got him kicked out of his apartment now that I think about it. <gasps> wow. Out of his apartment in Sydney. What happened? What happened Damn. there? Well, okay. Let me see if I can, if I how if I can do um, how I how I can make this family friendly. No, there's um, no family. Oh, we, we don't we don't need to do a family, no family friendly. Oh, just just let it go. Keep it. Uh, you know, it involved we a spa and me stealing all of his clothing, and we'll just force oh. Steve having nothing but two boots to get from the spa back to his apartment. Because yes. I also took his keys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and Steve is so laid back. He's took a stride. He's like, dude. He's like, you st- took my keys. He's like, I, he's like, I, I had to run back 
to my apartment naked, holding a boot in front of me and a boot behind me, just sneaking down. <laughs> He's like, but the worst part about it was that you needed a room key to go up the elevator. So you got to go to the front desk like that. Poor guy. Oh, I'm like, wow. oh, Stevie, I didn't realize I did that. I just thought I took your towel and some other things. You know, I didn't realize I'd done that to you. And he's like, yeah, it's all good. No, that was it. You know, Steve, he's a good guy, man. He really is. He's just so back and down to earth. I love that son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, crap. I'm, I would visual, visual. Okay. All right. So, so yeah, so I'm sorry. Karen mentioned sweetheart, mm-hmm. what have you. How, did, how what was the, the, the transition from Walter, Twee, and and um and Austin to to Karen, Johnny, and Steve? What was that transition like when you were on there? It was weird. Um part of it was that we we didn't know who was the next one to get axed. You know, uh, who was going to get the axe? We, you know, we, we knew that they had, uh, there, there was something involved in the union. You know, um, the union had approached them or they had approached me. I forget. But I, I had even sat down and, and chatted with the three of them about the same thing that ended up getting them fired. So when they got axed, I always felt kind of personally guilty that I did not. I got to be honest, you know. Um, so that was a little bit hard. So when they were not, there because I consider them all friends. Um, I certainly felt like a real Judas, you know, um, the, 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 the rest of everyone kind of felt, I don't know they felt like Judas's, but everyone felt that those three had kind of taken one for the team. Mm. You know, uh, it, it, it's a very complicated thing to explain, but we knew that the show, I mean, the show was giant. It was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, to their credit, Saban never, ever, ever claimed that they were going to go union or that we were going to get rich on the show. In fact, they told us specifically, guys, it's not going to happen. Okay. They told us that. Mm-hmm. But when you know you're famous <laughs> and you're still eating, you know, going out to the big family dinner at, uh, McDonald's, you kind of want a little more of the pie, you know? So this, this concept of the union being a kind of holy grail, you know, a, a sacred cow, whatever you want to call it, that we all wanted to do, we also knew that it could very well lose us our jobs. The show wasn't going to go union, even if we did, you know? So we didn't know where we stood. They ventured out. They didn't come back. They did not come back from their odyssey, you know? Yeah. So you know, that kind of answered our question. What happens if we try to get the union involved? Well, that's kind of what happened with those three, you know, and of course, I don't know all the, the, the full details of the story, you know, so uh, it was a very odd transition when those three guys came in. But we, you know, I don't think, i trying to remember our, our mindset, aside from the fact that we were worried about losing our own jobs. I don't think we tried to make it uncomfortable for the new guys, you know, we tried to be welcoming to them because it they knew they were coming into a hit property as opposed to us who thought we were just going to do a cheesy show for six weeks, six months. And aren't we lucky just to, to have food on the table? Mm-hmm. So it was a very different atmosphere that second year, you know, that second season. And, um, 
Is that when they came in the middle of the second season? Is when when Karen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, it was, the, the game had changed, you know, and yeah, I think I, I babbled through that <laughs> that that answer, but you know, we we, we liked them. We liked those guys right off the bat and knew that they were a little bit green and tried to be as helpful to them as we could, you know. So hopefully we were inviting. And then when did you guys find out that you're going to do the the movie? It was about the same time. Okay. I mean, there was so much going on all at once. You know, this is why our, our, our little, you know, 19-year-old brains were ready to pop, you know, because then we were also going to Australia and, you know, um, you know, flying halfway across the world to do this movie. And the people who, some of the people that got us there weren't with us, you know. Um, but we certainly had, you know, it didn't take us long to have respect for Karen's. Karen is a wonderfully... Um, I don't know, vulnerable, not vulnerable actress. Uh, that's not the right word. Um, uh, she's endearing, you know, mm-hmm. she was, she, she's a wonderful actress and Steve Cardenas and uh, Johnny are wonderful martial artists. So they earned our respect very quickly, you know, and we felt once we were going down to Australia, we're like, you know what, we got a good lineup here. We're, we're, we're okay. You know, we'll be good. These guys can handle it. They'll, they'll, they'll do us proud, you know, I think that's the best way to put it. Right. So the movie now, you guys, you guys were down there for months and months and months, mm-hmm. and you were there. You, you know, you had a few scenes here and there. Were there any scenes that you wish had made it to the final cut? Yeah, all of our scenes. Every swallow. Yeah, he's a swallow. Oh, you know what? I'm going to find where you live. Where do you live? What the? <laughs> where do you live? The one who's saying, who is that? Rancho uh-huh. Cucamonga. That ain't far. I'm going to find you. That ain't far. I will cut you now. So, <laughs> Enjoy your visit, Tristan. Great. <laughs> I look forward to that. Wow. Okay. So check it out. We, we had, there was an entire subplot where uh, Bulk and Skull were helping Ivan Ooze distribute the ooze and take over the world. Okay. Now, Fox didn't know exactly what to do with Bulk and Skull. So we kept going through rewrites and there became a tug of war. They thought, oh, they're bad guys. We'll make them bad guys. And so they had us helping Ivan Ooze and Saban Saduka not make them bad guys. These guys are uh, they're, they're lovable buffoons. They're going to be bad guys. So then they had to rewrite all that stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that we filmed that ended up on the cutting room floor. And there's other scenes that we just never filmed. And as a result, the entire bulk and skull plotline was out the window, you know? Hmm. So what do you ask if I wish there were scenes that were in there? I wish there were scenes that were filmed. I wish they would have made up their damn minds with how they were going to do with us. Cause they, they didn't freaking know. Do you remember any of them that, that were filmed, not filmed that you were like, Oh crap. It's awesome. No, I never said that was awesome. I knew all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. It was, you know, I don't think we had great scenes. Um, there was there was one that was a lot of fun where there was a, we were distributing the slime out in this carnival uh, setting. You know the one where Ivan Ooze looks like a wizard for one mm-hmm. scene, for no yeah. really good reason? That was a whole scene. And uh, it turned into a big goop fight, kids throwing goop and stuff like that. That was a lot of fun, you know? Um, you can actually still see some production stills from it. And there's even a cartoon that shows Bulk and Skull working for Ivan Ooze in, in like one of the co- coloring books. So that's a rare yeah. one. If you guys can find it, that's wow. quite. Oh yeah. And so going from there to the Turbo movie, 
You know, it's like we go from Australia for four, five, six, seven, 28 months to filming in a water tank in Culver City. I mean, come on, you tell me. I mean, the cool thing about it was that you, uh, Saban maintained creative control, so they knew what to do with Balkan Skull. So we had a lot more to do, mm-hmm. you know. And most of our scenes were with, uh, was it with Austin and AJ? I think? Yeah, Austin and yeah. Yeah, and they were already off the show, so it was fun to see them again and work with them. That was actually a lot of fun. We did get we get we got a weekend in Maui, a weekend, and it never ended up in the final cut. I don't think. I think I think it's one shot of us in Maui. Just one shot. And that was the worst. Because we got to Mount, we're like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Get to the set, dogs. No, I want to say get to the set, <laughs> meet puppets. So we go to the set, do our thing. We're like, oh, right, I'm going to go see Maui. You're going home, guys. This is an oh. Oh, wah, 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 wah. oh, no <laughs> And then, like, I do remember, I saw it on YouTube, like, recently, um, like, doing this behind the scenes of the Turbo movie. And. Oh, yeah. You interviewing Austin's chair. Austin's chair, because for whatever reason, Tony could tell you this, but for whatever reason, we could not get Austin. Um, there was some running gag about that damn chair. I don't remember what the hell it was. We couldn't get Austin. Anytime we wanted to do a little interview with Austin, he was called to the set. So our timing was just bad. So we're like, well, we know he's here. His chair is here. So we just interviewed the damn chair. So again and again. So, oh my god, was there any was there anything that you would have changed um, in any of the movies? Well, besides you know more of you in the movie, more of us in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know I haven't seen Turbo in so long. It'd be hard to say what I would change. Yeah, I filmed the whole thing in Germany because I've always wanted to see the Black Forest in November. How's that? <laughs> Wow, that's not much of an answer right now. No, I'm like, <laughs> no, no, that's great. No, it's that's no, that's no, great. No, it is. Oh, it's fabulous. Love it. Uh. Well, I mean, I mean, speaking of movies, like you did mention that you and Johnny did little short films together. Um, mm-hmm. You also did uh, a movie called Extreme Heist. Yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. Original called uh, Wicked Game. Yes. Title. Wicked Game. Wicked so game. yeah, we actually did a review of that nice. movie uh, about a year did ago. Did you? Oh, it was uh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm not gonna mention that. any names, but there were <laughs> certain people who did not want to watch it again. Again. <laughs> Because for the for the annual review for the annual review because i think we should have an annual review there are other people who are talking to you right now who uh-huh. don't agree <laughs> really why, wow why don't you tell me why don't you tell me <laughs> i didn't think so. no but how was it like you know uh working with johnny and doing something totally different from rangers well you know i mean the 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 man who directed uh, uh koichi Sakamoto, a director. Mm. Um, uh, uh, and actually, so did uh, uh, Makoto. was actually uh, another second unit director, and they co-directed it. So, so it wasn't all that different. We, we kind of already knew who we were working with. The tricky thing was that uh, Motoko, not Makoto, Motoko, who was my uh, co-star and my love interest in that one. Yes. 
didn't speak mm. English. Mm. Not a I word. couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> really? It's, it's, it's like it's I can't tell you being a sarcastic bastard, right? <laughs> <laughs> it actually did sound like I, I wasn't sure if her voice was dubbed over by a different actress or it was by yeah. her. No, it was all dubbed over by a different actress because she didn't speak a word of English. Okay. So it was it was a little bit awkward, but I mean, she was a very sweet girl, and um, we were able to communicate very well, actually. But it would just take a little bit longer and a lot of hand gesticulations. Um, but it also made for some some awkward moments. For instance, when we had to kiss each other, that's got to be the most awkward on screen kiss you've ever seen. It's horrible. Um, I got the direction. This is the direction that I got. Um, you'll kiss her. Uh, no tongue. Roll camera. <laughs> you kiss tongue. Mm, I get it now. I get the passion and pathos there. <laughs> so I was. I think there's a lot of good things about the movie. My performance, not one of them. Oh, well, no. I, 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 you know what? First of all, a blonde Narvi is a good. Narvi. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. <laughs> and second of all, I, you know. You, you know, you bleached out your hair, you know, trying to go something new. Well, it, well, thank you very much. See, it was actually funny because um, um, I, <laughs> our, our Japanese stunt guys, okay, um, had done a, uh, it was very popular at the time to use sun in, okay. Tadahiro was uh, going to be my stuntman for that. He worked with us on Power Rangers. He's a great guy. He's really, really nice guy. Very talented uh, stuntman. Um First day I showed up, I had given myself a bad bleach job because I wanted it to look like a guy that bleached his hair. I didn't want it to look natural, and it didn't. But the funny <laughs> thing was that it looked exactly like the Japanese guys when they did sun in, which is this like spray application bleach. You spray it on your hair, and it bleaches your hair out. Sun in isn't very good. It would turn your hair orange, oh. not blonde. So the Japanese, so so while it was really popular with a, with a couple of those guys, particularly Tadahiro, for about six months, he decided this stuff is crap. He stopped doing it. He let his hair grow out nice and black, just like skulls. And the first day he shows up on the set, he looks at my head, his jaw <laughs> drops, and every all, all the other Japanese stunt guys go, "Oh, Tadahiro!" <laughs> he looks at my son in hair and says, "Oh, crap." <laughs> oh, I love it! No, a lot of people worked on the on the on the film because I mean, like Ed Neal, I recognize Ed oh, Neal, right. and um... that's right, Ed. Oh, uh, did Danny? Yeah, Danny was in there. He was yeah, the Danny. Yes, nerd. yeah, the nerd. I think he worked on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it was it was fun, you know. It, it was it was basically a lot of guys saying, "What can we not do on Power Rangers? Guns, kisses, stealing cars, airplanes. Let's do it!" And we had a blast, you know. We had an absolute blast. Um, some of the stunts were were like really hairy. Um, uh, there was one I don't remember who got it, but there's there's a scene where J Johnny runs up the stairs. Somebody grabs him, and I don't remember who did it. Uh, I'm sorry for that stunt man if he's listening, because it was a hell of a stunt. Um, and I, if I recall, he was actually the new guy. That's why I get horrible stunt. <laughs> so he chases Johnny up the stairs, catches Johnny at the top of the stairs. Johnny does a backwards kick, kicks him right in the chest, and he falls down the stairs. Okay, 
the top of, you know, 20 stairs. That wasn't dramatic enough. He had to fall, flip, kind of do a back roll as he was falling and hit the ground. That wasn't dramatic enough. So when he gets kicked, what they did was they put a wire and hooked it onto a harness. And when he gets kicked, three guys at the bottom of the stairs pull him down the stairs. Oh. I mean, these stunts are like like downright going to kill you stunts. There's another one. Someone falls off of a, a, a roof onto his head. I mean, there's some really gnarly stunts. Did anyone die from making extreme <laughs> To be quite frank, I don't even think anybody was injured. They know what they're doing. Okay. You know, they know what they're doing. And if you watch it, um, uh, Koichi kind of intended for it to be a um, uh, a demo reel for the Alpha Stunt team. Mm, kind of, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's not a demo reel. Yeah, they're insane. Uh, I'm sorry, a uh, showcase, not not a demo reel. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah. So. No, but but seriously, like, did you almost die? <laughs> did I making of of extreme heist? Uh, I'm sure I did one way or another, but I don't remember ever <laughs> dying. Um, uh, no, I don't. No, think you would have remembered if you almost died. Just just putting it out there, you would have remembered. Now, now, believe it or not, no. <laughs> No, I, I have almost died too many times. <laughs> stunt, so. There's no camera there to record it. So. <laughs> no camera. So, okay, so let's get up to what you're up to now, because now you're a doctor. Congratulations, right. you're a doctor. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, I am now, well, see, I just graduated. So I'm, I'm in this odd sort of limbo in between being an academic and being a professional actor all over again, you know? So I'm doing, I'm doing some theater, uh, actually right now, Tony Oliver, uh, we're doing a a show called beginnings. That's actually uh, directed by Tiffany Oliver, which is Tony's daughter. So, so they're doing, we're doing that over at the complex. It opens the first week of November and it runs throughout the entire month, month, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at eight gratuitous plug. Um, um, I'm also still, um, you know, looking, working towards, you know, at some point being a college professor sometime in my life, you know, so I'm writing a couple articles on uh, Western dramas and various sundry playwrights, all that academic crap. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So artistically speaking, I've just just returned to the L.A. scene and seeing what comes down the line. You know what I mean? And then. You or weren't you also trying to like open or not trying or opening up your own acting studio? Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Yes, that's that's yes, absolutely. Well, I'm going to actually. I have teamed up with um, Tiffany Oliver and the Tribe Productions, and we are. Uh, I'm going to be teaching acting courses uh, in conjunction with their theater company. And that's probably going to start in January. Thank you for reminding me. Another gratuitous plug. Mm -hmm. Um, we haven't quite, uh, uh, settled on the exact space and time, but that's, uh, that will be happening in the near future. Thank you for reminding me. Of course. So if you want to learn the skill and the profession of acting, you, yes, I want to be teaching that. It's actually, it actually should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to be teaching, probably scene study and uh, probably beginning acting. We've got a, uh, 
being that we're in Hollywood, we have a lot of people that, that land here kind of fresh off the boat that want to be actors. Okay. Um, some of them haven't had a lot of experience. So I want to be able to grab those people early and say, okay, this is what you got to know. Here's the bare bones. Okay. Um, and then there's other people who are professional actors and they need a place to stay fresh. One of the hardest things about being an actor is you're your own boss. Um, your home is your office. And unfortunately you need to stay sharp somehow. You can't stay sharp at home in your office. You need to continually act. So that's what I'm hoping to design this scene study, you know, class to be able to address, you know, give the actors a playground. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, like when at the, at Paramorphicon, um, when you did your like acting class kind of thing, like, right. like there's a whole ton of people who never had that experience of seeing you like that. So mm-hmm. I was oh, just happy. I was just happy that well, one is my idea, and two. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> is that your idea? And uh, yeah, basically my idea. And two, uh, uh, <laughs> that um, a lot of people, you know, they know your skull. <laughs> Do the laugh. <laughs> but to see you like actually, you know, like be, you know, be serious and you know, and still have a good time of like disseminating some knowledge of acting, you know, because. You have to. I mean, here's here's the thing. When we come out of public schooling, you know, going through elementary school and high school, a lot of people have this sour taste in their mouth about um, learning, and they kind of attach that to and uh, attach that kind of distaste to anything intellectual, artistic, progressive, or classic, right? And part of the problem is there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of academics that that uh, kind of have this idea that there's there's a definite uh, hierarchy that people should worship at the altar of. People say drop freaking dead, you know that doesn't sound like anything I want to have anything to do with. I believe that without pandering to your students, okay, if you are impassioned about something. And you talk to your students as though they are peers, not as though you are the professor and therefore they must accept anything you say. No, you accept that your students are intelligent individuals that are just as curious as you, that are just as capable of passion for important things as you are. Um, if you if you take that stance, you can really get people to learn just about anything want to learn anything, find merit in classical works, in very highbrow and um, obscure concepts, they'll accept them and they'll embrace them and they will find meaning in those things. We need to do that in this Mm -hmm. day. Find find things that have depth and meaning somewhere in the world because, I mean, here we are talking on high, you know, high-tech you know, high tech devices like all the youngins like. <laughs> but in reality, in our in our lives, we have so many intermediaries. Okay, so many intermediaries. For instance, the three of us having this conversation, right? Um, it changes when I can't see you guys. For instance, I can't see you. I don't know if you can even see me on on the camera or not on this gadget no. or not. No, see, I can't see you. You can't see me, right? Um, think of how much nuance is lost by that. Think how our conversation has to be stilted and halting so that we don't talk over one another. Okay. Um, that being the case, information, 
ideas can't flow as easily between the three of us, right? This is the way many things are in our lives. In the old days, if you saw a play, if you saw Hamlet, Henry V, people, actors, are actually talking to you. They are dying in front of you. They are fighting with real weapons around you, okay? That's exciting. You feel engaged. You take an interest in what's going on. Now, we could be showing footage of the Gulf War on TV while we play on the computer and talk to somebody on the phone. We don't give a damn about the real-life drama that's happening there, Mm -hmm. you know? And instructors, college professors, teachers are very – becoming very sensitive to this idea and know that it's only one-on-one where we can have this sort of what you would call communion, you know? where a person influences another person by being there, being present for them, seeing what that person is going through, um, and giving them something that will help them out in whatever way, however sundry, simple, or, or um, uh, uh, you know, deep it might be. Yeah, and, and I am, pardon me if I'm mistaken, but I think you just asked this out all on a date. I just, I think you did. <laughs> that's what it is. That, that's what it is. Yeah, that was my roundabout way of saying I'm very, very bashful, and I'd like to take you guys all out to the box social. Okay. All right. So, um, so. go start with Tristan because he's in Rancho Cucamonga, and meet up. No, I'm cutting first. Remember, I'm going to cut him. A world of hurt. So. <laughs> Holy crap. But I do have to ask before we go. I do have to ask. Okay, the the well before Anime Vegas, you went to Paramorphicon 2010-2. So how what how was your experience at the second convention for Power Rangers? Uh at the Power Morphicon, you mean? As yes. opposed to Okay, I wasn't sure if you're asking about Power Morphicon or the uh, uh anim- Vegas anime thing. Um, it was it was it was great. I mean, the, the fans were very sweet. There was a lot. There was a lot of people there that uh, traveled a great distance because the show was that important to them. Um, this was the first time around that we saw large numbers of people dressed up like Power Rangers. You know, large numbers. That was a little bit uh, disconcerting. You know, but it was very moving. There was there was there, there was a lot of people there. Uh, I noticed with special needs. You know, mm-hmm. and for some of these people, this was the event of their life, you know, um, and that's that's very humbling. You know, that this is something that that gives their life meaning because they have difficulties with mobility, cognition, speech, whatever, you know, and this this thing gives them a, a, a sense of escapism. Uh, the, the show gives them a sense of escapism. But just like we were talking about no intermediaries in communication and education here going to the Morphicon, there were no intermediaries. There was nothing to interrupt their, their, their world, their idealistic worldview. You know, they believed that the power Rangers were heroic. They could actually come and touch those people, see those people, meet those people. You know, that's, that's a giant, that, that that's, that, that's huge. You know, that's mm-hmm. huge to a lot of these people, you know, so it was a humbling experience, I think. And of course, I want to put you on the spot, though. Which one 
would you prefer? This, the second one this year or 2007? Ooh, the first one. That's tough. That's tough. Because the first one, there was something really cool because that was our first reunion in 10 years. So in, a, in, a, in some ways, I'd say that first one was a little bit more uh, dear, mm-hmm. you know. But there, then again, there were some people that, that weren't able to make it to that first one, you know. So the bigger one was a little bit more fun, you know. So I'm curious to see what, how big a circus we can make the next time. You know, I want to say 12-ring circus for the next one. <laughs> you know, that's what I think. But this one, the, the second one was certainly like, Wow. Now it's a thing. The first one was an experiment. This is a thing. So it's really comparing apples and oranges, you know? It is. Ah, he's Although, being diplomatic. Wait, 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 wait. I will say this. I think the people that ran the second Morphicon were far superior to the people that ran that first ragamuffin fair. <laughs> yeah. <Wow>. Well. <laughs> no. Wait, See, I thought you, that's what you were fishing for. I thought you were rooting for them. I'm trying to help you out there. Okay. And that second one were Nazis. Oh, no. Sociopaths. Well, that's... Thank God. Their lives intact. Is that what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? Just just give a shout out to Jer before you go. To Jer? Yeah. Jer, shout out to Jer? What's Jer's last name? Simpson. Jer Simpson. Shout out to Jer Simpson. I don't give a shout out to Jer Simpson. Hey, Jer Simpson, I wish you were here with me right now. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> I wish you were here at my house, eating my food, drinking my booze, going through my fridge, sitting on my couch, watching TV with me. You and me, Jer. Be great. Be great. We'll be pals. You can borrow my motorcycle. I'll ride on the back. We'll drive around town. Sing a song to each other. Oh, goodness. Patty cake. That's odd. I don't think I want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you again. <laughs> oh, good awesome. job.